Hey, AGs, are you ready to add a touch of luxury to your home, just like the Real Housewives? BCC Villa Rosa. Introducing Home Threads, where style meets comfort for the ultimate glam experience. Picture this. Chic furniture, one could even say chic c'est la vie, that mirrors the elegance of your favorite housewives' mansions. With exclusive designer collections and a curated selection, HomeThreads.com has everything you need to make your space as fabulous as the housewives themselves and always at the best value. Unlike Joe Gorka's initial attempts at windows, perhaps. Now, I have to tell you, I know that Padma is no longer on Top Chef, and may her memory be a blessing, but nothing has made me feel better prepared to host future seasons and potentially even iterations of Top Chef Upper East Side Edition than the Henkel's clad 10-piece stainless steel cookware set in silver that I got along with a two-piece stainless steel ceramic nonstick fry set from Zwilling thanks to Home Threads. It makes me feel like I am finally ready to be a top chef one egg over easy at a time. They're gorgeous. They look great in the apartment. For someone like me who lives in New York City which with a very small space, what I have in my kitchen is important because guests who come to visit me see it. And I'm so, so thankful to have discovered Home Threads because now I feel fully prepared to make eggs a la Francais. Head over to HomeThreads.com today and live your best Real Housewives life. Go to HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls and get a code for 15% off your first order. Again, that's HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls for a 15% off code off your first order. HomeThreads, love where you live. I may not be perfect, but I'm close. The only thing stronger than diamonds is this drink. (laughs) (laughs) You guys, can we please talk about the journey? You guys, we are a full hour and a half into this episode. It's not a whole hour and a half. Hour and 10 okay, minutes. It's 80 minutes, 80, <laughs> 75 minutes into the the glory of this episode because I am so excited about today's guest, guest who um just had some sound effects, guys. Let's give it up for the sound effects used in his tagline, which I was very into. You guys, it's Andy's Girls episode 246, and I'm so excited to be joined by Rafi D'Angelo, writer behind So Let's Talk About.com. Rafi, how are you? I'm doing great. Am I the first person to use a sound effect on your show? Um, In their tagline? Well, according, according to some iTunes reviews, there are occasionally sound effects, maybe not purposeful choices, but they do sometimes exist. No, you're the first person who brought props, Prop. which I love. <laughs> I love prop work. I'm really, I'm very into it, and I so appreciate it. I'm staring at you drinking through Zoom, drinking your gorgeous cocktail. Tell, how are you, number one, and tell the AGs, number two, what you're drinking. Um, I am doing great today. Uh, my apartment is clean. It's sunny. Mm. Um, mm. and then I'm drinking a little rum and pineapple with cranberry soda. Should we tell the people what time of day we're recording this or no? 
Yeah, we're doing it at 7 a.m. <laughs> 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. It's almost it's, noon. <laughs> it's almost noon. We, just for you guys, AG, this is the glory. It's a little BTS behind the scenes stuff. So the glory of pandemic recording means that sometimes logistics are what they are. And because we want the AGs to have the absolute best experience of the best tech we've been we've been troubleshooting <laughs> for a little bit of time which means i get the pleasure of talking to you more which is my favorite thing to do regardless so this is a win for me i it have is. to say it is it's a nice break from my normal day of um oh usually i just cook all day so now i'm sitting in front of a computer instead yeah i cooked um I did fried chicken, collard greens, cornbread, and yams earlier this week in case anyone is looking for a southern husband in New York City. Give me a call. <laughs> there was sweet tea involved as well. So, yeah, we've been doing big things this week. Can I ask, how do you fry chicken? I mean, vegetarian of 150 years over here. How do you do that safely in a New York City apartment? Like, I think of, like a big pot with oil is that how i literally well that's how know that's how, how i do there are a lot of different ways to fry chicken you can, you can also deep, use a pan right? you can do a deep fryer you can do a cast iron skillet which is probably the best way i don't own a cast yeah. iron skillet which is shameful okay. i will get one at some point i use a dutch oven um and i have a big red dutch oven that i use for a whole bunch of stuff and i just put oil in it and fry it in there it's the same kind of as using a cast iron skillet because it is a big iron pot. It's just taller. Okay, can I ask a really stupid question? Sure. How do people clean a cast iron skillet? I don't have Isn't one, so just, I don't really know. Right? People, <laughs> fancy cook people. Because, like, you always see the, like in a movie or on like a talk show or whatever and they're cleaning and they're like frying whatever they're using it and I just think like how do you clean that how do you ever get it clean again if you're using that much oil is that a random this well is how what, little well, I what you're doing like, is, I don't care. when you first get it you, they call it seasoning your pan is where you are baking oil into the pan like you like and that is and that oh forms God, your non-stick surface so that's not coming out in your food. Like that is bonded to the iron of the of skillet. And that's your nonstick surface. And then you, like you don't shower your pans after that. Like you don't scrub them because you don't want to scrub your nonstick layer off. I know that much, but I don't want to say too much and be wrong because I don't want to be dragged by black people listening to this podcast. And they're going to take away my cookout card because I don't actually own a cast iron skillet. But my grandma had one. My mama had one. I do know what they look like. <laughs> I know they're heavy. But I don't I don't have one. There's really no space for me to put a cast iron skillet in my apartment right now. But I'm going to get some. So it's an intentional... So it is. It's like setting in the vibe with the oil into that i don't understand how to cook things i constantly am like did i leave my oven on six days ago like but why was it ever on oh wait i was heating up something that i 100 percent did not prepare myself like i just don't i it my the nightmare for other people would be me cook i just don't think that like the stuff that i make is 
in any way appropriate for other human consumption. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, nothing, I wouldn't make pasta. I just, oh no. I I would be nervous. I bought, um, I bought a dining table just so more people come in my house. So now we can see eight people so I can cook for more people. But I just started cooking Southern like this year. So I don't know a whole lot of like Southern stuff. Um, okay. so that's my new journey. I was like, oh, I want to, that's why I did the fried chicken and the collard greens so I could like cook more Southern dishes. But yeah, we have people who come over all the time because I don't like to leave my home. So if someone wants to hang mm-hmm. out, they need to come here. Um, I will usually feed them, send them back mm-hmm. home full with the take to go plate stuff. But it comes back to you because now I have a KitchenAid stand mixer that somebody bought me because I ran out of money when I was decorating my apartment. I couldn't oh buy one. God. So one of my friends that I eat all the time with the kitchen so i don't know i like cooking for the people and then the people like to have me cook for them yes so it's nice nice little southern vibe up here you have such a warm inviting energy i know this about you so it's like i can't i feel like your food must be made with a lot of love like people i'm sure can feel that and that's why they want to come over and nosh you know what i'm saying Every once in a while, like my roommate and one of my friends, they decided to cook for me. Aww. It was so cute. Like, they're like, oh, what are you doing such and such night? And I was like, oh, nothing. I was like, okay, well, we're going to cook dinner for you because you always cook oh, for us. And I was like, oh, that's great. They made tacos. So it wasn't like difficult cooking, but it was more than what they usually make cereal. So I was like, this is so sweet. <laughs> Also, tacos are a lot of preparation because you have it's, to chop it's a lot of little onion, bowls. Chop the stuff, tomato, yeah. lot of bowls, a lot of bowls, a lot of cleaning. I mean, that's so sweet. I also love that they were like, we want to do this for you because you do it so often for us. That's like such a sweet little I treat. Know. I know. I'm very much a grandma. I'm the grandma of my friends. I go to bed at nine o'clock. I did. <laughs> I, oh I cook. <laughs> very much grandma. And I watch Housewives. I feel like that's a, I mean... that's an older woman thing because <laughs> honestly, housewives took the place of soap operas for me. I grew up on soap operas mm-hmm. and now they're all gone mm-hmm. except like four of them. So it's like, where else mm-hmm. can I get like a multi-year outlandish story art centered on women being ridiculous? Like housewives. <laughs> yes. Which was your favorite soap opera? I grew up mostly, well, I watched NBC soaps with my mom watch Another World in Days of Our Lives, which I still watch because it's still on. Um, and then Great. we watched Passions when it was on for a little while. And then with my babysitter, I watched All My Children in General Hospital. And then with mm-hmm. my grandma, I watched The Bold and the Beautiful, Guiding Light, Young and the Restless, As the World Turns. <laughs> so at some point, I was watching all of them. Oh, But I really only commitment. kept up with the NBC ones because that's what I watched mom and then the nighttime so it's like my earliest memory is honestly watching Dallas that's my early that's the first memory that I can pull back is coming home from school no coming home from daycare or something I was in school like coming home eating dinner and then climbing into bed with my mom to watch Dallas <laughs> oh my god I love that we, we, she lived for Dallas and Dynasty and not landing like that was like her time, but Dallas is the one that I remember. Yeah. So a little piece of my childhood there. 
it seeped into you, the idea of this very specific kind of storytelling. Do you, I mean, you now see an obvious connection between that and Bravo. Did you, when you first started watching Bravo shows, did it like light the switch where you were like, oh my God, this reminds me so much of the shows I watched, which informed my TV experience? Or have you found that connection since? I found it later because when I started watching it, it wasn't, it wasn't because I missed soap operas. Soap operas were still on when Housewives mm. first came out. They they hadn't really like jumped off the cliff yet where we were losing one every year. So I was still watching soap when Housewives came out. And I started watching it like the curiosity of seeing Candy Burris on because I had enjoyed her as a child, listening to Escape, and I'd followed her music career. And I just wanted to see what she was like as a person. And I was like, oh, she's on a reality show. Okay, I will check this out. And then I went back and watched, you know, New York and OC after that. Um, it wasn't until soap opera started dying and I realized how much reality I was watching across the board. Like I was watching Basketball Wives and Love and Hip Hop and Real Housewives, but I had grown up on the real world. And that was, you know, it changed every season. So you weren't following these people over years and years and years. And then I think Housewives made it okay to like follow the same people for long periods of time. And that's what made it feel like so far. It was like, oh, wait, I've been watching, you know, this person on TV for six, seven years, which is just like I would have been doing, you know, watching Days of Our Lives, some new character. So that's what it felt like. And that's such a good point about the real world, which did connect with me with me when I was younger. I remember my brother would turn it on and I would have to pretend to get really upset and really mad that we were watching the real world so that we could continue watching it. Because if he thought that I was feeling enjoyment from watching the show, he would turn it to something else. So I was like, no, oh my God, this is terrible. When I was like a little kid, I was like, yes, more Um, But the point that you made about the idea of continuing the story is really interesting because that's the kind of like reality based narrative storytelling that we not only experience and enjoy watching, but that seems the best for networks to or streaming networks, whatever, to monetize. And so the idea of the real world where it was like a very different cast, nine strangers gathered together, blah, 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 uh, to start getting real obviously changes new city new cast every season which is in many ways a different kind of storytelling to what we're used to where you have recognizable names not only with housewives but other reality tv where you have people who you may have known before or are meeting now but the hope is that you follow them for a hopefully long period of time it's like the relationship is different and the experience is different I think that it's um, like interesting that the real world sort of is the you know godfather of reality television kind of thing. Mm-hmm. When reality television doesn't follow that anymore, it's not you get a new cast every season like you did with the real world. But even the real world, like an American Family, was first. And yes. and the fact that that was like centered on a family that you could conceivably follow for years and years and years if they had continued to do the show. Like, the fact that the real world came in and didn't follow that kind of Mm -hmm. idea where you wanted to follow the same 
people over and over, and now we've gone back to a family-based sort of situation, like the Kardashians and even, you know, like, your housewives and, like, Mary's Medicine and stuff like that. They're not related, but it is more of a family sort of situation because these people know each other. Some of them, they, like, oh, I love you like a sister, like that kind of thing. So we've gone back to the root of reality television now, and we've moved further away. I think keep moving further away from a new cast. Like, now the new cast stuff is more game show or love for you. So it's like The Bachelor mm-hmm. or, you know, Top Chef stuff where you're competing for something as opposed mm-hmm. to just watching people live the way the real world was and the way American family. A hundred percent. And sometimes there's a tension with housewives because unlike the real world, which prided itself on saying these people, unless there's like an exception to the rule, truly don't know each other. They're meeting each other the first day with housewives. We want to assume they all have relationships with each other, or at least a new person has a strong relationship with someone in the cast so that they can continue calling it a quote unquote friend group. Instead of saying my cast member on this show, they want us to believe that we live inside of this world or that they live inside of this world so much that it hopefully makes sense that they're unwilling to break the fourth wall in saying like this person truly doesn't know anybody but because you know maybe Ramona met Bershawn at an event in the Hamptons three weeks ago or maybe after she was cast as a friend they like went to lunch. We're going to say that they're really good friends or that they know her, you know, that they know each other in some way in the hopes that the audience expectation will be that there are already existing stakes or relationship or something else. And it's like that doesn't always add up. And it also doesn't always lead to a promising <laughs> dynamic. You know well, what I'm I saying? Well, I feel like that's why New York does not work. It's because, mm. like, I don't know. I never needed <laughs> a black woman on Real Housewives of New York. I didn't need that. Mm. I didn't need a, a woman of color to be put into any of these paths of white women Republicans. Like, I didn't need it. So putting Ebony in the cast is a way to try to reflect the multicultural nature of New York. But friend groups in New York are not multicultural. These white women on the Upper East Side don't have black friends. They don't know any. So you are putting this woman in here who has, it It doesn't feel organic. It's not like, you know, y'all were just hanging out. It's like, no, she was cast. And then they found a cast member that she would vibe with the most. And that would be her entree into the group. It's like, okay, you vibe with Leah the most, we'll say you're Leah's friend. I was like, but no, you're not actually connected to any of these like it doesn't make sense and it's never going to gel that well and the only times it does gel like I feel like Crystal vibes really well in Beverly Hills even though she doesn't have a connection to any of the cast like Mm -hmm. Kathy is her only connection and even that and Kathy's not in the cast right so but she vibes well because the women themselves aren't as terrible (laughs) (laughs) Like, it's not a group of Republican women. It's These are reasonable women who can listen and learn and hear you. Like, there's more of a balance 
in Beverly Hills than there is in New York. There's a level of um, self-selected, I don't know if this this phrase is going to make sense, but welcome to my brain, self-selected and celebrated ignorance that's instilled in the women of New York, which is such an interesting experience for those of us who are New Yorkers or have a relationship with being residents of New York City when we when we watch because as you said this is a very specific group of New Yorkers of Upper East Siders and as an Upper East Sider but on like the poor end living my best life in Yorkville like it's a, a, a niche group of Upper East Siders inside of this world and these women are not interested in listening to each other, learning from each other, developing real relationships with each other. They're just interested in existing in a very specific way. And when someone tries to like push a little bit or poke at the bubble, there has been the ugliest kind of explosion. And it's so interesting what you say about the ebony of the ebony factor this year because there's so much truth in what you're speaking to which is the idea that like she was put into an environment that was set up to essentially isolate her you know like none of these women are interested I would never wish upon anyone to be the only black person in a group of white public And so when I understand, you know, calling for Bravo to mix it up and, you know, there should be more diversity in the cast and all this kind of thing. But on the back end of that, you have to think about the people that you're putting in these situations. And it's like, okay, I, as a viewer, would like to see a more diverse cast that more represents what the world is like. But me, as a Black person, I would never in my life want to be the only black person in a group of white Republicans. Like, my roommate is white. I don't even go out with him and his friends if I know ain't no other black people here. Like, I never want to be the only black person in the room. It is oftentimes stressful, and you can see it play out on TV. It's oftentimes stressful. And for New York especially, like, I absolutely see why Ebony was cast over any other black woman that had been cast, because Ebony works for Fox News. She knows how to handle herself in these groups of women. And yes, Ebony has been teaching and preaching all season, but that was really her only option as a cast member when it's being filmed during this election cycle with all of these Republicans, with all of the protesting and stuff that had gone on. It's like her only option was to teach. She could either teach or she could be mad at them. Like, that was it. Like, me, I would have just been mad. Like, I would have been literally fighting with everyone every episode. It was like, you're not getting it. You're a ridiculous person. Like, I can't imagine having to talk to Ramona Singer and, like, let her be stupid and, like, let her be ignorant and just let her keep saying, like, oh, you know what, I'm learning or, like, keep apologizing after everything. It was like, you are a 60-year-old woman. You know better. You do know better. They all know better. It's just embarrassing to know better. It makes you feel uncomfortable to know better. So you just rely on this ignorance. Like, I could never do it. And the fact that we have forced Bravo 
to put these women into the situation for us, I feel like it's irresponsible. Like, I mean, look at Tiffany on Dallas. Like, we forced the cast to shake up. So you put this Asian woman into this cast with a Republican who has made microaggressions against Asians, and you put her in this cast to be surrounded by white Republican women. That's not her life. Like, she, does, she doesn't deal with that on an everyday basis. Put her in that situation for a TV show. And I don't know. I just feel like it wasn't thought through, like, all of the calls to diversify the cast. Like, either the cast should be diverse when it starts, like Salt Lake City, which is wonderful. It makes sense. Or just let it go as it is. Otherwise, these are, like, women you're putting in stressful situations. Is there a way to diversify it? Um, I mean, look what's uh, the ways that Garcelle and Crystal, as the two women of color on Beverly Hills, have been such crucial parts of this year and this season and have also been able to navigate uncomfortable conversations about race in a way that has been like a, a little bumpy, but you listen to the other cast members navigate even what they say after months after the scenes have filmed on the after show. And they're like, yeah, my eyes are open now. I didn't understand before. I didn't understand in the moment. And I have a better understanding now because I think the cast in Beverly Hills is like, I don't necessarily think about it along party lines because I think that there are, and this is me as a white woman saying, but I, I think that it's, there are also like progressive people who may be ignorant to, you know, like, so I don't know that it's only Republican and Republican versus Democrat. And that's me saying that in a very, I could be ignorant in saying that too. No, that's but I valid just think because like, it's not Republican versus Democrat as far as ignorance. Like anybody ignorant. It's like, how right. open are you to listen? And like, how open are you to take it in? And Beverly Hills, like, you have these women who are primed to listen. And also, you have to remember that for Beverly Hills, these women work in entertainment. So mm -hmm. they see people of color all the time. Like, they are around people of color all the time. Luann and Ramona and Sonia are not around people of color. Like, none of the women in Dallas are around people of color. But in Hollywood, like, you have no choice but to at least have a veneer of progressiveness because once you're labeled a conservative entertainer in Hollywood, like your only booking is CPAC. Like, like that's it. They're only going to, you can only go to Republican functions after that. You're blacklisted from like the mainstream. So the way that Garcelle and Crystal were able to integrate into Beverly Hills makes perfect sense. I think that was a little, a little, it's always a little bit risky when you have all white to like put somebody in there but it's a lot less risky in Beverly Hills than it would be in Dallas and I never want to see it happen on the OC like can you imagine right, like what they're going to go what the one woman of color will go through on the OC it'll be what Tiffany and Avenue have gone through like times 10 
It's just so interesting to think about, like, the fact that the most grounded conversations that we've seen have come out of Beverly Hills, which isn't necessarily known for being the most grounded environment in positive ways, but also in a ways where you're like, oh, wow, like, this is sort of in some ways like the best that we'll see or the best that rather that we are seeing now is coming out of the cast of Beverly Hills in every way when it comes to the season the self the plot the craziness the Erica but also all of these other navigations and you look at New York where it's like women are wearing their ignorance as a badge of honor and saying I'm gonna weaponize who you are and your identity if you try in any way to make me think or feel like the level of ignorance and disinterest in basic intelligence, let alone curiosity and empathy is staggering in New York City. That which is, is not the joke of New to, York. It is not staggering really? to me at all. Like my first real job in the city, I worked for a luxury concierge company. Um, where high net worth individuals had to apply to the service to show that they had enough money to afford it and be approved. And they would pay money to the service that would do stuff for them. So it's like, you know, if you want a last minute dinner reservation, you want us to plan your honeymoon, you want, um, you remember when Dominique Ansel had cronuts? You want cronuts and nobody oh. can get them? We had to get to a dozen yeah. cronuts. It was very, it, so it was all just like, entitled white people with a lot of money mm -hmm. um who couldn't get things they couldn't get the things they thought they were entitled to with their money because when i tell people you know about the job um they're like oh did you have any celebrities and i was like most of the times we didn't have celebrities because celebrities could get things based on their name if right. you know this celebrity wants a table at so-and-so then they just go get it um, these are people who have money, who feel like they are entitled to the things that celebrities have, but they have no claim to fame. So they need to like use us to do it. So yeah, you would get a call at one in the morning saying, I'm having a birthday party and I need 10 penguins for it. So Not it, literally. Yes, literally. Like I need penguins for my birthday party. Get them. Or you'll get a call at like 4 a.m. from one of your clients on July 3rd saying, oh, I'm on my way to Lake Tahoe. I need a 10-person house for my vacation for July 4th weekend in a resort area, and they need a 10-person house, and they're already in the air. So it was very much like, I am not surprised by uh, rich people, New York entitlement. <laughs> That's not a shock at all. The ignorance. I was one of two Black guys who worked at the company, and we look nothing alike. You, the people hearing this can't see, but my hair is very long. The other guy who worked there had no hair. They called me by his name all the time. Oh my God. <laughs> all the time. Like, in person. It was like, called by his name all the time. Like, I look nothing like him. I am six inches shorter, and my hair is ten inches long. But, okay, that's fine. <laughs> I mean, there's a level of masochism involved in all of this the idea that you're on a flight there it's like the devil wears prada the mm -hmm. devil calls concierge mm -hmm. you know like there is the idea of i'm sort of getting off from making someone do something that is seemingly impossible but because i myself am paying you to respect my importance 
mm-hmm. you are going to fulfill every desire and I'm setting you up to fail. I mean, there is a little bit of a direct connection between that and the experience of watching this season of New York where there's some like not to speak in such there's like some like sadism seeping out of this and the ex, to the extent of like we're forcing you to watch this terrible thing from the outside from the network and also from like the housewives perspective of like we're gonna make this as bad as we we're gonna make this as difficult as we possibly can just because we can yep, you're and gonna watch it anyway us, right and you sort of I I mean I said on Instagram yesterday I was like I put up a gif of fucking Vicky Gumbelson doing the nail to the cross like Jesus was saying, like, I'm about to watch New York for you guys because I don't want to watch it. But just because of Andy's girls and the podcast and also curiosity and like oddly enough with my guilt of God forbid, I don't watch this episode but I know it's going to like hurt me, (laughs) you know, like not just like the anti-Semitic shit, but just like, I just, it's not going to be good. It's going to make me feel bad. I don't, oddly, I don't hate it as much as a lot of hate it. Like I watch uh, New York with my roommate. Like, do we have to like, it's very Mm -hmm. that it's like, I don't want to, Mm -hmm. I don't really mind it that much. I think I'm sort of um, like immune, not immune, but, um, like, Ramona doesn't make me uncomfortable to watch her. Like, I've known women like her. Like, I, it doesn't make me uncomfortable. I was like, oh, yeah, you're a bad person. Like, like I already knew that. Ramona was already one of my least favorite housewives. Like, I was like, I knew she was a terrible person. So this is not a brand new situation for me where I feel uncomfortable watching her. I've been just kind of pleasantly surprised that Sonia... And marveling at Luann's sort of understanding of how, like, appearance works. Because at the beginning of the season, is sort of a different Luann than we see now. It's not that Luann has changed internally, but Luann knows that the internet exists, viewers exist, and I am not going to be dragged for saying the wrong thing. It's like, I'm just going to let Ramona take it. Because, like... I feel like the win was a little more lit at the beginning of the season and saying mm-hmm. more of what's on her mind. But Luann is nothing if not aware of her appearance at this point. You know, she's race stars. She is very much in <laughs> tune to what the people think of her. And I think she realized it did not look good to go at the first black woman on the cast. I think she realized it after her first fight. It was like, oh, wait, I probably shouldn't do this. Because I see Ramona doing this, and that's going to look really bad at some point. So I, I feel like I just see the wheels turning in Luann's head. It's like, oh, let me back off. I'll just let Ramona do it. <laughs> You're totally right. She's looking at Ramona as her mirror. Right. She's like, oh, I don't love that reflection. So I'm going to change what I do as a result of it, but it doesn't mean she disagrees. No, it she doesn't just mean, is she doesn't censoring. Even care. She's censoring herself right. because she understands that she's on television. Ramona doesn't always think about the fact that you're on television, Ramona. You're on television, Ramona, which is great because we want people to be real. Like you don't want them to censor themselves. But Ramona's amused. is like, girl, you're on TV. Like, do you not understand how you're coming across? <laughs> 
I think Ramona remembers on TV. She just fervently believes that TV exists in purpose to her. So whatever she thinks or feels is going to be how people understand what she's saying. Like she believes that she is right and she truly does not care otherwise. So if you say anything that is in any way different or not bowing down to her and giving her the respect that she feels she deserves, like God forbid she has to demand it, you're in trouble that is sort of her experience of reality TV. You know, like she does, I don't think the worst part of Ramona is the fact that she doesn't forget the cameras are on her. She is doing this stuff in some ways. I believe her. I believe that she is as bad a person as she's showing us. She thinks like that we, I don't know how to say this in a way that will make sense. It's almost like, she believes that we deserve her and in her head that's a positive thing so we should respect her bow down to her um, understand her agree with her and give her in every way the benefit of the doubt that she refuses to return in kind that's probably true because she i mean this is her claim to fame this is the most important thing in her life so it's like anything I say is wonderful. Like you need me for this show. Oh, so anything I do is great and wonderful, and I should be appreciated for my candor. <laughs> and that's where we are. I mean, in so many ways, that's where we are. And Luann doesn't feel that way because Luann was demoted at one point, so she's like, "Uh, actually, because <laughs> you know she had a season where she was a friend." And she's like, uh, actually, no, <laughs> this could be taken away at any time. So let me just sit back, <laughs> relax a little bit. Yeah, Luann isn't as high on her own importance as Ramona is, even though they're both, you know, OGs of the cast. But Luann had a fall from grace that Ramona never did. That's true. I also do think, though, that Lou is pretty high on her own supply. Of like the ego of it all. The perform there's a performance that she is deigning. It's like she's deigning us with her presence. Yeah, I you know? feel like that just because she's been on the show for so long. But I don't think that Luann thinks that she's as integral to New York as Ramona thinks mm. she is. Because Luann has oh, already been taken out. So like mm. Luann very much knows that like her place on the show is dependent upon what the fans think of her. And Ramona thinks that her place on the show is always secure because she's Ramona. And so I think that affects how they censor themselves because Luann needs to stay in the good graces of the public. And Ramona doesn't realize that she could ever fall out of the good graces of the public because she, you know, like everything I do is great. I'm like, you know, I'm the OG. Like I'm wonderful. And in both cases, I don't think that they have the capacity to adjust in the ways that they are being forced to by the casting. I think of Leah and of Ebony. Like if if we are to have conversations or conflict or something else, you need to be able to adapt to the new circle. But they are still running high on their own supply of like season two, season three, 
maybe season eight, season nine. And that this is not that's not the show. That is not the current concept of the show. As bad as it currently is, you do need to ride some of these waves or you're going to get lost at sea. And right now I feel like we're the ones who are fucking lost, you know? It's like audience participation, except are they watching this at the same time they're filming? Because they don't seem interested in part. They are trying to force Ebony and Leah to join a very, very outdated environment that maybe we didn't realize was as dead as it was until this season. Like it no longer exists anymore. That's fair. Like the show is, the show is definitely was counting on the popularity of Mia to be able to like rebuild the cast over time. Mm-hmm. Like after the first season, it's like, okay, we can do something with this. We can skew younger. We can like start to do that. And then now they kind of don't know what to do because Leah is mm-hmm. no longer popular. Uh, the friend they bought in as a friend of Leah is not popular. So it's like, oh, where do we go now? Like, who do we censor the show on at this point? Because we hedged our bets on a flop. Do you, what do you want to happen next season? It's a question I hate being asked, but I love to ask myself. Like, what what do you think will happen? What do you think should happen? I, if I had my choice, I would keep the cast that we have and add in one or two people. Um, Because my thing is, Ebony has seen herself on television and she won't be the same person that she was this Also, the environment has changed. And so she's not in the middle of an election after a summer protest. Just won't be as preachy and teachy as she was. And we will probably get to see Ebony as Ebony. He's there for a second. So I'm fine with that. Uh, Ramona as a foil for Ebony when she's not preaching and teaching, I think is perfectly fine. Um, Sonia, I never want Sonia to be tired because Sonia mm. <laughs> like, I love Sonia so much and I feel so bad for Sonia that she finally had a successful product and then, you know, <laughs> the pandemic happened. COVID. I need <laughs> Sonia. I need her, I need her on the screen to catch a break again. Like, I just, I don't want Sonya to not be on the screen because everyone would be worried about her. Like, what's Sonya doing? How is Sonya? <laughs> so I want Sonya on the screen. Um, Luann is just good reality TV because she is always mildly delusional. And Leah is... Leah is Leah. She's polarizing. I don't mind Leah as much as a lot of people do. I don't like her politics. And like her, you know, I'm such an evolved white woman who doesn't even want to vote kind of dick. Like, I don't enjoy that. But they exist. This is the real housewives and those women mm-hmm. exist. Like, I don't mind her being on the show. I think that her family life is interesting. I think that her relationship with her uh, mother is always great TV. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't mind any of the cast. They just need more of them. And that would be. Do you fun. think that would change the vibe? I think this time is. is I, I feel like time is what really would change the vibe okay. because you've given Ebony time to see herself on TV. Everybody changes the second after they see themselves they on TV. So they you've given do. Ebony time to see herself on TV. I'm sure she's annoyed with how much she's preaching as well. Um, 
And then also you're a year removed from the mess. Like don't, everybody was having the same conversation last year that Ebony is having on TV. It just feels bad now because we're so far removed from it. But when they were filming, we were all having the exact mm-hmm. same conversations. We're just tired of seeing it. Like turned into housewives to kind of be relieved from the mess. And now we're reliving the mess. Plus it's coming from someone who isn't naturally authentic on camera. Like, Ebony doesn't have the the best ease on a reality show. A lot of what she says doesn't come across as, you know, um, super real. Like, she's not super relatable when she talks, which isn't a knock against her. Like, everybody's just not wonderful in front of the she's camera. She's used to being on a panel show. On, right, on exactly. News, so she talks like she's on... you're playing to the audience, which are the cameras. She talks right. like she's on a panel show, even when she's just in her confessionals and, like, mm-hmm. you know, when she decides to insert a smile. Like, it feels rehearsed a lot of the time. I think she just needs time to loosen up. And that's what the second year will give her. Like, I've seen myself. Mm -hmm. I've seen the parts I don't like. Let's do it again. Like, I feel like she absolutely deserves the second season. Because you put the first Black woman on the show in the middle of a Trump election after a summer of racial protest. That is not the best environment for any first Black person on a Republican white lady show. So give her another chance to like settle, relax. I have no idea what they're going to do. And now, I mean, it's like, is the reunion going to happen at all? It's it's very possible that it won't. You know, Lou's in Europe, Ramona's in Aspen. Honestly, they can keep her. Like, I I don't know how this is going to work out. I don't think I don't think it would be the worst idea if they didn't. And this. <laughs> season just died we just want to put it out of its misery and by it we mean us <laughs> you well know? you're more like, misery than it. i am like i like if they did a re i would still watch it but i know that bravo isn't dumb and i don't think bravo would fire the first black housewife on new york i don't either i think right. if she doesn't come back it will be her own choice but i do think she needs allies like, mm-hmm. let her bring a friend on the show for the second. Yeah. Like, that would be great. If you had the five that you have now, and then also let Ebony bring a friend onto the show. The friend that she had who was always looking at the like, like the friend that was always Where? in her house. Yeah, yeah she was my... like, what is going on? Why are you on the show? That <laughs> friend would be great. I mean, I'm sure she would want yeah, to do the show. Very but, like, if you gave me someone like that over. I do also have to say, speaking of Sonia, so I had the pleasure of going to Sonia's friends and family. Oh, you went to her little thing? Private rehearsal for her upcoming cabaret. Yep. Which is like more improv, I would say, than cabaret. And I left my body the entire... First off, it was genuinely spiritual Bravo con. It was like... All of these fellow content creators, podcasters, um, people connected with the network who I haven't seen. And they told me two years and I was like, what? I thought I just saw you yesterday. It's because, no, you were DMing this person. You haven't literally been in there. So I'm like triple vaxxed with my mask on, living my best life, seeing these people. So even before it started, I loved it. There were a couple moments where it genuinely felt like I left my body one is, you know, she pulled people from the audience and did a uh, who's going to be my um, intern and then crowned someone her intern at the end. And there was a moment where she was talking to one of them or somebody in the audience. And she was like, yeah, I met you at, 
human resources or something. And I'm thinking like human resources for the network. And then she goes, oh, no, human rights campaign. And then I just really (laughs) I actually I was there were moments where I she was just like very free the entire time. And I had my I was laughing so hard that like no sound was coming out. It was just like confetti or something that was like <laughs> leaving my mouth she said at one point she wanted to do a Q&A with a couple in the audience she was like but heterosexual only which I was like first off what and number who, two who do you think is that right now right. so there was a single like a one <laughs> heterosexual couple, couple. and the man like volunteered his tribute essentially they go on stage Somebody, t- someone from like the show is like, okay, we're going to live stream this on OnlyFans. So all of a sudden it's like, I don't think these people knew that. <laughs> and Sonia turns to the girlfriend and she's like, so do you, sh- oh no, she turns to the boyfriend. She's like, so does she shave her pussy? <gasps> and I left my, the secondhand <laughs> embarrassment that I felt as this couple is live streamed. It was the funny oh my goodness i cannot say to anybody who has the opportunity to go to this she's going to go to other towns it is and i've seen lou you know obviously i was at the very first performance she ever did at 54 below i i have you have to like hamilton style be in the room where it happens i cannot say more fervently that you need to go to this because I thought it was going to be more of like cab burlesque mm-hmm. and it wasn't. It was Sonia does improv Sonia as herself. It was the wildest thing I've ever seen. I could not more highly recommend it. Tens across the board. That's why I want Sonia on TV. Yeah. I want Sonia on TV at all times. Yes, I totally agree. So pivoting a little bit from the Sonia Rita of it all, my God, Potomac this week was wild. And I'm just so curious for your thoughts on all things Wendy, uh, Wendy, Giselle, and uh, Ashley. Uh, I just need to know. I just need to know. I just need to know, Rami. Tell me. Um, I just need to first know. First of all, like, Ashley is wonderful. <laughs> Ashley, <laughs> Ashley just knows her job. She has known her job since day one. Like, she earns her paycheck every season. If anybody <laughs> in the universe of Housewives earns their paycheck, it is Ashley Darby because she brings drama. She brings a messy home life. And then she also just knows like how to get in and start some mess. And this time, I don't, she wasn't even intentionally starting mess. She just showed up for four hours and blew up the trip and went home. That is an iconic moment. <laughs> She really is the spiritual LinkedIn of Housewives. Like, she knows every... Her resume is stacked. Like, if her resume was each prior season, but also how she is in every episode, it's, it is fascinating. And she is one of those people where, like, I don't think I'm being manipulated, but maybe that's a sign of a great manipulator. I, I genuinely think she thinks that she's trying to help. 
Like, I believe Ashley's perspective. Yeah, I, I believe she was trying it. to help. She was, everything right. she said made sense. Like, you know what? I'm not going to receive this information from you, Bill, because mm-hmm. y'all are not on good terms right now. I have been in similar situations. I don't have, like, a bone to pick with her, so I will present mm-hmm. this to her instead. Everything she said made perfect sense, but, you know, then when, who is very unthin, just <laughs> cannot hear that at all. Like, oh, my goodness. So my thing with, well, first, my thing with Giselle and Karen, like, when people pick sides on Giselle and Karen, and most mm-hmm. people side with Karen, I don't understand why, but... There is no reason to pick a side in Giselle versus Karen. They're both equally messy, equally untrustworthy, equally thirsty for Mm. camera time, equally, like, Mm. unreliable narrators, equally, like, starting mess. Like, they are the same kind of character on the show. And, like, they're both wrong in equal measures in every fight that they have. In this one, like... Karen has totally manufactured a fight with Giselle for screen time because she knows Giselle did not wish death upon her husband. She knows that. And she knows it did not affect her grown-ass kids who are all legally able to vote. Like, these are not 12 and 13-year-olds. And she was like, oh, you hurt my kids. I was like, these are grown-ass children. You hurt them more with your bad wigs on the show. Like, it would hurt me more to see my mom in that wig than it would hurt me seeing some woman talk about how my daddy is old. The man is old. Like, it is what it is. So, Karen has made up this whole thing for no reason. And then Giselle, Giselle never really has a storyline. Giselle is there Mm. to throw fire on everybody else's storyline. Like, that's it. And Giselle has ingratiated herself to Bravo in such a way that I fully understand that she must be so easy to work with. like she must mm-hmm. show up on time is great to, great to the crew great to everyone around her so she is a great employee of the company so she doesn't mm-hmm. need a storyline as much because she like she's just easy to work with she's i feel like she's probably like a candy presence behind the scenes like a uh, mm-hmm. candy burst not but I feel I like saying, not candy, I feel like no. she's probably a candy burst candy. behind the scenes. Yeah. Like she just shows up on time, is mm-hmm. easy to work with, is nice to everybody, and mm-hmm. gets the job done without a whole lot of stuff going on in her actual life. So yeah, so she amps up the drama because that is her job. She didn't watch Housewives, watch them be boring. So it's like they are both messy to me. Karen and Giselle are equally messy. I will never take a side. Now Giselle and Wendy. <laughs> <laughs> so Giselle is absolutely in the wrong for calling out Wendy's appearance and how she's dressing and that just comes mm-hmm. from Giselle's own insecurity it's like here's this woman who got onto the show talking about her degrees um, so she's not coming onto the show you know just being a body or a pretty face and that she's coming on because she is a smart person so this is not a threat to me I will never be as smart as Wendy so let her do her thing. But now she is the hot girl. Giselle always thought of herself as the hot girl on the show. And so now here's this woman who got on the show because of her degrees and stuff, but now she's coming through with all this confidence and all this body and like, you know, the new clothes and dressing so much better according to Giselle. Like she looks like a different person and Giselle feels threatened because it's like, 
well, you can't have two roles on the show. You can't be the professor and the hot girl. I want to be the hot girl. Like, what am I going to do now? I already don't have much to do on the show. So I need to be the pretty face of Potomac because I don't have a story. All I do is start mess. So I feel like she's a little bit insecure that Wendy feeling so secure, you know, is like showing herself off. But Wendy is not Zen. Wendy is starting fights with Mia and taking fights with Zell to like, you know, the nth degree. She can't hear the truth of what Ashley is saying, that there is no malice happening here, that we are just curious. We said there was no truth to the rumors. When Ashley spoke to Wendy, the first thing out of her mouth was fabricated story. That was the first thing she said. Wendy didn't hear fabricated at all. All she heard was Giselle talking about her husband. And I was like, that's not what was happening at all. Giselle is not talking about your husband. Giselle is explaining that maybe you are behaving like this because you are confronting the rumors. It's like, oh, these rumors are out here to put on like a brace, which is wrong in itself because like Wendy wants to, you know, look how she wants to look. She wants to look how she wants to look. She doesn't need a report. But Wendy's fighting over nothing. I mean, I feel like ultimately there are two different sets of conflicts in play. One conflict is misunderstanding in general identity that's being presented on the show with IRL. Like Giselle is confused about the ways that Wendy is identifying as herself as a housewife and is conflating that with how you must be feeling about yourself in reality. Like you must be going through some sort of crisis or something else. And it feels like that tension is actually being translated incorrectly where it's like Wendy is shifting the ways that she is presenting herself on the show. And Giselle is saying there must be something greater underneath. And then underneath that Giselle is saying you are doing this because of a reaction to bad things in your marriage or reaction to some sort of problem or you're doing it because you want to distract attention away from that. Does that make any sense? Like it feels like it's an identity problem, but an identity attached to it, an identity problem. And regardless, it's being presented as a negative. It feels like the same problem according, like from Giselle's point of view, He's seeing Wendy present these changes to the group, and she mm-hmm. feels like there must be an underlying reason for right. it. And Which the reason that she it. has found right. is mm-hmm. that, oh, there are all these blogs out here about Eddie. Maybe she mm-hmm. read them, feeling a little insecure. She wants to show mm-hmm. the world, like, no, I'm hot. My marriage is hot. I'm sexy, da 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 And that's what she thinks. And I think, I do not think that Giselle is being messy when she says it. I think she's being incorrect. I don't think exactly. That, I don't think that it's coming from a place where I'm starting mess. I just think her her uh point of view is incorrect. Like Wendy doesn't have to have a reason to behave this way. But I don't think it's mess. And there is like a little fine line between like being messy and being incorrect. But to me, if Giselle was doing this out of malice, if she was doing it um to spread rumors about Eddie if she was doing it to disparage Wendy's character, to me, that's messy. But Giselle thinks that she is being 
a nice co-worker. He thinks she's looking out for women. From which sounds like, oh, you're behaving like this, and the reason is because of these blogs, and I want to let you know you don't have to do that. That's where Giselle is coming from. It's like, you don't have to dress like this to prove to people that your marriage is strong. Like, she sees that this reaction to, like, you know, her new vibe and stuff mm-hmm. is reaction mm-hmm. to the rumors and that it's not authentic Wendy because she thinks that Professor Wendy is the only authentic Wendy and that this new mm-hmm. Wendy is all a reaction. And Wendy is like, no, I just have a new sense of confidence now that I have, that I'm more comfortable in my body. So they will never see eye to eye on this mm-hmm. because Wendy will never not believe that Giselle is being messy. And that's Giselle's fault. Giselle is a messy person. Like, Giselle has been involved in mess since season one. So I can't really fault Wendy for believing that Giselle is being genuine. And I can't really fault, like, the viewers for siding with But from where I'm seeing, like, Giselle is not being messy to me. Like, Giselle is just being incorrect. Her intent is not being messy. Right, her intent is not being messy. I don't know that I buy that fully, but I totally understand it. I do think that there's an element. She is aware that she is not being forthright about everything that's happened with Jamal. And I do think that somewhere in her is the absolute need to steer attention away from that. I, I So I do believe that, like, I don't think she's, like, sitting at home thinking, like, how can I be crafty? But I do think that there is maybe an element of self-protection in there. But she also still does know how what she's doing because she's done this before. So it's like, I don't, I don't know that I, I don't know that I even believe that she believes this fully, you know, like that this is being done because she cares about this person because I don't, I don't entirely believe that she does. And it's like the impact of it is a whole lot of me- I mean, she does have a pattern of doing this. But before. the impact of it doesn't have to be messy. The impact of it would not be this if Wendy hadn't taken it to that place. Because when she had the conversation with Ashley, Ashley understood immediately what Giselle was trying to say. And Ashley agrees and co-signs. And Ashley doesn't have anything to distract from right now. Ashley is totally on the Giselle train of, you know what? Mm-hmm. She is dressing differently she is behaving a little bit more aggressively so maybe it does have to do with her reacting to like Ashley fully believes it just from a, you know from her own knowledge of being affected by rumors in the press and stuff she's like oh you know what that is a reasonable explanation mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I don't think Giselle predicted it to be like this because Nobody predicted to be like this. Like, why is Wendy popping off to this extent? It makes no sense. The transgression does not meet the reaction. The transgression of saying something about a blog and admitting that this is not true. Like, it's not like she is putting any sort of weight behind it at all. She has said over and over, this is not true. I do not believe it. And that's not how they always say. Sometimes the blogs come up and they're like, oh, we fully believe it. Whenever there's something about Michael Darby in the blogs, they all believe it. I mean. <laughs> right. But I'm just saying, it's like no right. one believes it at all. But Wendy is acting like these women are saying her husband's cheating on her. Because she understands that the second that you talk about it in front of cameras, it becomes the story. And she doesn't want it to be the story. She saw what happened with Monique. She doesn't want it to be the story. And I feel like 
the ways that she has felt insulted or upset by Giselle's behavior unrelated to this, when you bring in the Eddie factor, she's like, no, absolutely not. This is past my limit. Like you already started me on the path of needing to put you in your place. And this is entirely too much. And I'm not going to allow you to do to me what I now understand, maybe even in real time, is exactly what you did to Monique. Like, I just don't think, I think that Wendy is like, you're absolutely, this is not going to be the thing. You're not going to weaponize, regardless of why I'm doing this, which you're not even really asking me, you're like judging me for it regardless of that I'm not going to allow you to bring my family into this like because because I'm not and the oddity is there is a some audio that was put on Instagram but it's not the source isn't credited to my knowledge so I didn't see it so I apologize for that but it's audio from I don't know what maybe an Instagram live or something that um Wendy did where she's like do you want to know some tea essentially and the person says yeah and she's like the person who told me the rumor was actually Robin. Robin contacted me and told me that there was a rumor going around about Eddie from this terrible blog that talks shit and said, you know, what kind of lawyer is Eddie because maybe he can help get the blog shut down, which then begs the question when Robin is saying, what's the rumor? What are you talking about? And they're kind of, you know, going at each other, it does beg the question of like, okay, well, where is some of this? Like, she's already pissed at Giselle for bringing this on camera. She knew it existed, which is not the surprise there. The surprise to me about the Robin reveal is not that Robin told her that she knew. The surprise to me is Robin then saying on camera, what are you talking about? which a lot of people do. We saw it on New York, Erica pretending to be surprised that the group had a meeting. Of course, she knew that that happened. But you sort of have to present to the cameras so that it continues the story. It does, though, leave a little bit of a question mark in Robin's hands of like what Robin is thinking in real time, which to me was a surprise. I didn't know anything about the audio, but that wouldn't like not. It doesn't really change. Yeah, it right, change right, 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 right at all um as far as how i feel about it i am i love wendy first season i am not sold on wendy this season because i was turned off on wendy when she was fighting with mia for no like that was i was like what are you doing why are you continuing to fight with this woman that no one has a problem no one the parties involved do not have a problem you have a problem on the sidelines i didn't understand where that energy was coming from and i don't understand where all this extra Honestly, hypocritical energy is coming from because last season she was all over Monique about being too aggressive. It was like, how did you switch that quickly? It's like the whole season you're talking about how we can't behave like this. We are black women. We can't be aggressive. Da, 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 da. And now you're like, fuck cameras and I will drag you. Like, over this, over of all things to be upset by, you're going to be upset about a rumor that is not even true that everyone has agreed is not true. And it's not like when they when they get upset that the vlogs get brought onto TV, it's like they act like Bravo fans are casual viewers at this point. We have passed the point of five, six, seven years ago mm. where the people watching the shows are casual viewers. The viewership has dwindled down to the hardcore at this point. We already <laughs> know what was in the blog. Everybody watching right. the show already knew what was in the blogs. It's not like you're just 
tuning in on like no it's appointment viewing we follow the stuff listen to the podcast read the blog see the message boards nothing that happens on the show is a surprise anymore so when they're acting like oh I can't believe that she brought this to the camera. I'm like, we knew about it six months ago, sweetie. It's not, mm-hmm. not like, why are you pretending like this? So I don't buy any of her reaction. I don't buy any of it. It feels extra to me. Like mm-hmm. she is covering. Like it does feel like a reaction to being in a negative spotlight. It feels like I don't want this attention on me. Well, I mean, I have to pivot. Because you're saying something in my mind just needs to know, just needs to know what you think about Erica Jane. Erica versus reality, Erica versus being on a reality show right now, Erica versus her life, Erica versus Sutton. I 1000% understand Erica being on the show. When I heard she was filming the show, I could not believe that she would go on a reality show with all of this legal drama. But after watching the show, I was like, oh, this really was her only op. Like, she had no right. choice but to go on the show. Because even though the vast majority of us are not on Team Erica, her life right now, the only way she can be able to make money is through the public. Mm-hmm. She needs, like, that 20% that still believes her to see her on TV and so they can actually co-sign with her because if she didn't come back then it's 100% you're guilty everybody if you come back maybe 80% of us are like through this lady but 20% of the diehard Erica fans are seeing her on the show and they're believing her and that will be enough that she can continue to have an income and like support herself in some fashion she had no other option than to go back to the show so now I understand why she's on the show that's the only (laughs) place she can have got it Um, I do not think that Erica knew about what Tom was doing at work. I don't think so for the vast majority of their marriage. I think she found out quite recently when they're like calling the house and like all this kind of stuff. And then she decided to get out. I was like, okay, I do not want to go down with if I'm going to get out as soon as possible. I think that that is a valid reason to divorce someone and to Mm -hmm try to, you know, get out of the line of fire. My biggest issue with Erica is that you knew know where the money came from and you went to court to fight them so they couldn't recover it. Like, you know the money in your pocket came from victims and from the people that Tom screwed. You went to court to try to make sure that they could not come after your money when you should have willingly, like, given it up. Like, that is the part of Erica that I have a problem. The rest of everything that she's doing on the show is kind of like damage control. Like she's making up stories mm-hmm. that the timelines don't match. Da, 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 trying to give herself a better reason for leaving than I heard about it and then I got out. Because that is what it is. Like I heard he was a crook and then I got out of the marriage. She can't say that on camera for legal reasons and for her own sort of like, you know, humor. Like she can't say that on camera. But probably mostly for legal reasons. can't say that. Um, mm-hmm. So she has to make up stuff about, you know, head injuries and car accidents and all of this stuff. She, she got to build a storyline. and I feel like she crafted it with Tom's lawyer so everybody's in agreement about stuff that happened. But she can't say that on camera either. There's so much she can't say on camera in the middle of it. So she's giving as much as she can to convince the 
20% to continue to support her. I totally agree with you. And I also think, and yet, the stuff with Sutton, the scenes for next week, where she is just filled with so much misplaced anger, which is absolutely no excuse for the in real, I don't want to like use the phrase systematic bullying, which is like my favorite thing because it actually does not work even as a joke in this context. But like, I, it is so wildly ridiculous that she is coming for Sutton in the way that she is trying to minimize her, trying to make fun of it. This is where <laughs> I'm making fun of the South. I'm like, shut the fuck up because like you're pretending that national coverage of what we now know PS as of this week is over a hundred million dollars that may have been stolen from Tom Girardi, Girardi and Keese, whatever the fuck it is. You're pretending that Sutton reacting to this horrifying fraud, theft, longstanding series of crimes is her being in herself and too concerned about what the neighbors will say. Like, bitch, she's concerned about what the fucking court is going to say. She's concerned about being anywhere close to you. You just said, you said when you showed up to Christmas dinner that you were, what's the, what was the phrase? She was like, not chemical. She was radioactive Radioactive. or whatever, whatever it was. You understand you're radioactive. So why are you blaming Sutton for knowing what you know better than anybody else like I get that it's misplaced but it's also horrifying and ludicrous like I don't need to see you being brought down to earth it's just like you are at the moon right now and someone needs to figure out who paid for the fucking spaceship you know like it's just so bizarre fascinating prestige I think she is about to overshoot her hand a little bit with her die a hard. little i think she is well i mean you don't know how the how the diehards who are there hard. forever right i feel yeah. like she's about to overshoot a little bit spiritual panther rings when the women were sitting around in their little meeting and sutton was being very honest about you know i don't want this to rub off on me socially and the people and like they were like balking at that and i was like that is fair and valid it has nothing to do with the small town mentality and i think bruce madoff is a great example of Mm. how your husband's you know misdeeds can rub off on you because like bruce madoff only worked for the company for a year as a book for she didn't know anything about anything and she had to like move to florida in with her sister and no one talks to her you know his money was also stolen yep Right, exactly. It's like no one talks to her. She was like, no one wants to be associated with that kind of criminal enterprise in any way whatsoever. So, yeah, Sutton is very right to think there may be some like pushback or some blowback. Like, I wouldn't want to be associated with her either. And not just because of the social thing, but sweetie, you are married to a man who stole money from all these people and you're freely spending that money. Like, you are a bad person. <laughs> like, yeah. Like where? Yeah. Like when do we get that episode where they sit and realize that Erica is spending this money and like keeping it and like not is trying to fight to make sure nobody can get her money that was stolen from these victims. Like 
the the she didn't even mention victims until Garcelle did. Like she does not and, care. Yeah, and like shout out to friend of the pod Brian Moylan, who I would love to have on Andy's Girl soon. I did read his recap of the like Teddy was right stuff, and like Erica mentioned the victims, and it's it's to me wild to have a perspective not to say that this is Brian's but like to have a team Erica perspective that's like see she does care about the victims because she mentioned them once out loud probably after Lisa Rinna or whomever told her that everyone is very freaked out especially because of the victims so for her to be like it's all about the victims of course it is and that's who matters and my lawyer said that the other day it's like you're not showing us really that you get it. And it is very concerning to me that she's not showing any anger to Tom. Because to me, frustration and anger about the victim's money being stolen is obviously very connected to anger about the man who stole the money. And then the extra layer of also you're now connected to this guy because you happen to have been married to him for over 20 years. Something is very wrong here, but she's definitely not getting it. And to say that she is because she said that sentence, she is not acting like someone who believes that the victims are number one and that she will be fine. And Sutton no, and she, Garcelle Erica is necessary. number one. Erica right. is number one to Erica, which, I mean, I get it for nature, whatever, whatever. But it's like, you will be fine without all millions and millions of dollars you would actually probably have a brighter future ahead of you if you had come out immediately right. and said oh my god this is terrible what can i do to fix it she would have so much more support if she had just come out and been as horrified as the rest of us mm -hmm. are to show that you're a real mm -hmm. person who actually cares about what your husband did and feels bad that you are the beneficiary of his crime. Like, she has not done any of that because she's not here. If she cared at all, she would have seen that this is, even if she was smarter, she would have seen this is the better way to go. Like, even just sitting back and looking at it and trying to plot a way forward, the best way forward is to side with the victim, not side with yourself. Because you are a public figure and your income depends upon the good graces of the public. You would be more in the good graces of the public if you threw your husband under the bus fully, as opposed to like, oh, well, you know, in a car, so I'm blah, blah, blah. No, just say, oh, he was fucking crooked. I didn't know it. Say that. And then we wouldn't even be having this conversation. Yeah. It's a fucking shit show, and I cannot wait. I'm counting down the seconds until next week's episode. I do have to ask you before we wrap. Um, I was about to say Sutton and Garcelle, but, like, we know that they're the dream team. Garcelle and Dorit. <laughs> like, Dorit either refusing to process that Garcelle didn't didn't do anything suspicious or wrong with the Palm Beach thing or whatever, wherever the fuck they were at that point. Not Palm Beach. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, right. A desert or a mountain right. or wherever so the, the fuck desert. they were with, like, the bringing up the top and calling her out for saying 
that she talks a lot, which she has heard over and over again, and and Garcelle saying it to her. I don't understand what Dorit thinks she's doing. Like, is she, did she just angle for more camera time? Like, because she's not doing anything? Like, she don't have anything to do this season. she believes it. It's like, so so like, she hasn't done anything all season, but get dressed. So I was like, is she trying to (laughs) make a conflict somewhere so she can get the mix? Because this is not the way to go about it. You do not want to call the only black woman on your cast aggressive when Erica is, like, yelling at people. Like, are you serious right now? Like, it felt so awkward and coded to be mad at Garcelle for, like, oh, you're bullying me. You're doing all this stuff. I was like, she ain't done nothing to you. All she did was, like, be black and direct. Like, Like, she's saying that Garcelle hasn't told her... Or even before that, when she said Garcelle was chicken shit for not bringing up whatever problems it was to her, I was like, clearly she's not chicken shit because you have all these problems with her bullying you. You cannot be chicken shit and a bully at the same time. You're addressing the problems or you're not. It's not both. So I do not understand what Dorit is doing. I never have a problem with Dorit, but she's just annoying me right now. She started annoying me when she said my kids hang around brown people. They all work for us. Oh, that was a bad <laughs> moment. And she didn't get why it was bad. At all. She didn't get it. When she's like, all the people who work for us, all of our employees. Everybody extended her so much grace in that moment. Yeah. Everybody was just, can you imagine Ebony in that moment? Ebony would have pulled out like <laughs> Uncle Tom cabin. Like she would have given a full lecture. Everybody just kind of let it fly by. You see what happens when you let stuff slide by? Then they end up calling the black woman a bully. They should have called her out of me. <laughs> I mean, that was the real Kelly Osborne on The View <laughs> moment, which was like, babe, like, that is yep. so awkward. And you are never going to under, you are, because ne- you are going to go straight into such extreme defensiveness that you're like, you never did not say what you, get it. you did not express what you thought you expressed in that moment. right and also someone telling you you talk a lot when you talk a lot should not be breaking news to her so So i don't know what she's doing maybe walk this back i don't i i don't know either i don't think it's for camera time i think she really believes it which is the wildest part one of the many wildest parts of dorit she's just sitting around in her house thinking of ways that garcelle has been and again that erica thing is so if we're going to talk about who's being passive aggressive, it's a real, it's really strategic to keep referencing this thing and choosing not to understand it. You need to take someone at their word, including when they say that you need to shut the fuck up. You know, like if there's a moral here, that's the one to get. Um, listen, I could talk to you all day. You know, I die for you guys. I just want to make sure that you know that this episode we're now three and a half hours in because of some tech stuff. And I know I got a little bit of a journey in front of me today. And it's, I just have to thank you for being a trooper. Guys, if you only knew how COVID tech sometimes works and sometimes, sometimes does not, there's a fly near me. Oh my God. Um, it's probably Erica. It's probably Tom. Um, You're being spied I, I upon. I, for real. Um, I just have to thank you so much for your patience. And guys, just give 
podcasters, not just on this show, but any show that you're listening to right now, if you guys only knew some of the random behind the scenes stuff that can happen, just give the the content that you're listening to, regardless of what it is, absolute grace right now because it is a wild experience sometimes to record and I just cannot thank you enough for your patience and and grace and understanding with this and next time we will be vaccinistas IRL things are buzzing people are here it's Tom it's the FBI at the door tell the people where to follow you on social and where to read your amazing amazing work online uh, my website is so letstalkabout.com. Um, it used to be politics and current events, but now there's a lot of like entertainment and stuff because who wants to deal the politics all the time? Um, and then yes. I am Rafi D'Angelo on all social media. Amazing. Is there anything else that AGs should know aside from the fact that you're fabulous and you know how to cook a meal? My God, a knit. A renaissance. And bake. A renaissance. And bake. And bake. Oh, <laughs> my God. The next time you are coming to my apartment, we're going to record COVID safe, and we're going to open some whatever, and I'll I will have my bottles in my fridge. I cannot eat almost everything because I'm on a medical diet. <laughs> we'll talk about that <laughs> offline. It's all fucking shit. You can show. look at the snacks. Bring- I'll eat them. You can look at, I'll look at the snacks while you eat them and that'll be a win. I will slice an apple maybe since I don't know, even though they're apparently rare in New York, there are only five, but we just talked about needing a couple more guys. Um, if you could join the Patreon AG, I would appreciate it. The number one way to support Andy's girls, patreon.com slash Andy's girls, an hour long satchel spectacular and so much more is up there. Now you get exclusive bonus episodes episodes, invites to special events, and more. Instagram at Dame Galley. I put up housewives polls, stories about dresses, things in New York. I'm a, I consider myself a fairy influencer. If you want to see New York by the water and a whole lot of sass, uh, Instagram at Dame Galley. And guys, hope you're doing okay. Rafi, thank you so much. Oh my God. Thanks for having what me. What an Olympian you were today. Thank you so much for coming back. And I can't wait to talk to you guys again soon. And guys, I hope you're staying safe staying sane, getting vaccinated if you can, and we will chat with you later. Bye-bye.